Welcome back to Across the Romaverse. Steve and Jimmy here for episode 161. And I guess fitting enough that this episode is 161 because it was the first match in charge for number 16 as manager, Daniela De Rossi. Jim, a lot has happened since we recorded last Monday. We were talking a lot in hypotheticals last Monday. Uh, I wish we waited like 24 hours to record because about 12 hours later, we were you know, waking up to news of De Rossi taking charge, Mourinho being let go, and a lot has changed in the Romanverse since then. Yeah, I remember us saying we thought it would be a 50-50 shot that Mourinho would see out the month uh, being Roma's manager. Or in maybe, you know, like I was saying, like a one in four shot that Mourinho would finish the season. Well, that was wrong. Um, it, it turns out that uh, Mourinho was uh, told to hit the bricks a lot sooner than either of us thought. Uh, I got to say, uh, I very much did not anticipate Daniela De Rossi, of all people, becoming uh, Roma's next manager after Mourinho. I, I had long hoped that. De Rossi would get, you know, some more tread on his tires before becoming Roma's manager. But you got to you got to dance with the one that brung you or something like that. Uh, and uh, so far, I got to say, you know, I mean, of course, it wasn't against the, the most powerful side in the world. Uh, Hellas Verona is not, you know, trying to fight for European qualification. They're they're in 18th. They're in the relegation zone uh, this season. So it's it's not like. We, we were facing a giant in De Rossi's first match, but we were facing a side that was hungry for a win because that, that area around the relegation zone is really tight right now. Um, just as much as there's, you know, very few points separating, you know, ninth and uh, fourth right now in the league, there are very few points separating uh, 14th and 19th in the league. There's about six points even separating 13th and 19th in the league. So these were two sides that were really fighting for points period. And for Roma to come out in their first match under DDR with a win, you know, certainly a lot happier news than I was expecting. We'd be talking about this go around. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about that also and, and hoping that it would not be a, a situation where he would just get kind of thrown to the wolves. Um, you know, I guess pun intended there. And, then, you know, things go really sour and it kind of, you know, ruins any chance of him coming back later as manager. But it seems like, you know, who's going to come in at this point in the year that's really going to give it his all for the club? Um, and, and De Rossi is that guy, right? He was like the Ranieri of, I guess it's like four or five years ago now when, when De Rossi played his final match. And it's someone who just gives his heart and soul to the club. And it seems like De Rossi pretty much knew, look, here's my six months. If it goes well, great. If it doesn't, you know, maybe I'll have a shot another time. Like, there's going to be no hard feelings if it doesn't go well. Um, you know, he's here to give it his all. Uh, he even said, basically, he he said yes before he even negotiated a salary, right? He's like, you pay me what you want to pay me. I'm here for Roma. Um, which just speaks to, you know, obviously a young manager who's up and coming and looking for a shot, but also a guy who just, he loves the club, right? And I, I think that was reflected, you know, in the club, it, definitely a PR move. We talked about if this ha hiring happened, it would be a PR move to some extent. And, you know, you bring back a club legend who outside of Toti, anybody of our generation of, of Rom Romanisti who started following the club in the 2000s onward, um, you know, he's got to be one of your top two favorite players probably just because he meant so much to the club. So that certainly buys some goodwill, but you could also see it in, in the videos posted of training, you know, him hugging the players and, and handshaking and hugging and, you know, walking back onto that Trigoria pitch for the first time in almost five years. And it, it's just, 
shows how much he's going to be, you know, all in on this job for these six months. And hopefully going forward, because if things go well, he'll probably be around next year if they go well enough. Um, I, I definitely think there is potential there if, if he can figure things out for Roman, get them into a, you know, top four, top five place. Maybe he's here next year. Um, but it was certainly great to see Roma come out and and really look energized coming out. And the thing that stuck out, and it, and the rumor started swirling around Wednesday or Thursday from Gianluca Di Marzio that there was the potential for a four man back line in this match. And a little bit of it was forced because you know Mancini was out suspended, Cristante was out suspended. It limited the options in a back three. Um, outside of playing someone like Rasmus Christensen as like a left center back or right center back. So he goes four man back line and that classic Christmas tree formation as it's sometimes called the four three two one, and I, I thought it was you know something we've been waiting to see for a while, and I, I think it was the right call. I think you know he really energized the club. It gave a little more attacking freedom to some of the players. You know the, the lineup is not Roma's strongest eleven players because of some of the suspensions and injuries and things like that. But it was Patricio and goal Karsdorp. Uh, Hoisin, Lorente, and Spinazzolo along the back line. Um, the three-man midfield was Bove, Paredes, and Pellegrini. Dybala and El Shari playing behind Lukaku. And I, I thought, for the most part, in the first half, Roma looked pretty um, intent on attacking it. And, and the quick passing was was refreshing. Yeah, no, that's 100% true. Uh, I wonder how long that back four lasts uh, with Evan and Dicka coming back from uh, from the AFCON soon and, you know, Gianluca Mancini uh, being back from suspension eventually. Uh, Rome was in a bit of a weird spot in the sense that, you know, their fullbacks looked better in this lineup than they did. Uh, like, yeah, I guess it was a bit of a Christmas tree lineup uh, than they did under Mourinho, but it's not like Leonardo Spinazzola really impressed me that much either. Um, Rick Karsdorf was okay, but not great. Uh, so I do wonder how long we stick with two center backs, uh, given that our center backs are some of our best defenders, just in terms of depth. Do we only want to play uh, Indica and Mancini and maybe Smalling when he comes back? Or are we going to try to find a way to make sure that we can play some of our de- best defenders more often? I don't have an answer to that. I will say that I do did find that first half to be a pretty impressive first half. Going into this one, I did not expect much from Stefan El Sharawi. I'm going to single him out in particular because he was the one who assisted both goals for Roma um, in this one. And I don't really know what to make of El Sharawi at this point in his career. Uh, he is, you know, we, we all know the talent that he's always had. There's a reason why he was able to break into Milan's senior side at such a young age. But at 31, I kind of thought he was pretty past it at this point. Like, especially under Mourinho, he was looking... Not as at his best, but if he's able to be this type of player in Roma's attack going forward, that could bode really well, not only in terms of, you know, just giving Roma more attacking options, period, but in terms of creativity, allowing more space for players like Lorenzo Pellegrini and Paolo Dybala to be more creative. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like how having multiple good defenders allows each defender to play to their own strengths. I think if you have multiple good creative players, you're not requiring each creative player to, you know, be the only person providing creativity to a side. You you share the wealth and you often, you know, allow each player to play to their best. So I'm hopeful that 
Pellegrini, El Shirawi, and Dybala can be, you know, kind of a trio in the attack behind Lukaku uh, in a way that's promising. I'm also kind of interested in seeing what Nikola Zalewski looks like. I think that he did a decent job as a sub for Paolo Dybala coming on the 57th minute. Um, but we'll see. Uh, there, there, was, there were a lot of good things to see about this match. My biggest note is that uh, I believe Daniela De Rossi said right after the match, even without Dybala, Roma needs to get three points against Hellas Verona. And I think that's 100% true. Um, that's a standard that Roma needs to meet, regardless of you know what particular quality uh, they have in that starting eleven. There's just has to be that baseline expectation, uh, and we had that for a good chunk of the Mourinho reign. I think we lost it towards the end. We lost that idea that you know Roma had to be winning these matches towards the end, and it's one match in. Not going to jump to conclusions, but in terms of mentality, I mean, you were right. Just looking at the pictures from pra- practice things look improved, which is always nice to see. Is that a short-term bump? Who knows? But it's nice to at least have the bump to begin with. Yeah, you know, they always talk about the new manager bounce or or bump, as you called it. Um, And and usually a new manager does energize a side that's kind of been struggling a little bit. You know, Roma obviously went through a very difficult stretch, and, and that's part of why they were having difficulties. But it did seem like there was a lack of effort at times. And... You know, we didn't see that with De Rossi. And the one thing we know about Daniele De Rossi, when he played, he always gave everything he had for the, for the crest. And I think some of that will be, um, you know, projected onto his players. And it's going to be made clear that, you know, anything less than your best is going to be at least best effort. Even if you're not on your best game that day, giving your best effort, it's, you know, what is needed. Um, and it, it is a, um interesting situation you mentioned when, now Indica's coming back from the African Cup a little sooner than expected. Ivory Coast crashed out today as the host. Uh, surprising to me, I thought they'd be one of the favorites to win it. Um, benefits Roma because Indica will be back probably for the weekend matches um, since Roma doesn't play till Monday. Um, you know, Mancini comes back from suspension. If you're playing a back four, to me, those two are probably your starters. Um, no knock on Lorente, who's been pretty pretty darn good this year for the most part. But, you know, those, those are, I think, are Roma's two best defenders right now, two best center backs. So that that does create an interesting, um, you know, situation. But it does also create depth at a position where we've lacked depth at times. Where if you're only having to play two of those center backs, it uh, it frees up some rotation a bit. Where you can rest Mancini when he's got you know a knock that he's had to play through for a month or so. Um, the midfield, in my opinion, El Shari played great. Two assists. He was he was very um, much a spark plug in this one. I still think over the course of a 38 match season, probably at his age. He's probably super sub and then rotation player is his best yeah. role. Um, if this is one of his that. matches as a rotation starter, it was a great match from him. I mean, he looked re-energized under his former teammate. Um, I think most matches, when you watch your best 11 out there to start, you're probably playing Pellegrini and Dybala behind Lukaku, I would think, just because it frees up um, the midfield spot for Cristante, Paredes, and Bove most likely, which could be the 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 three man midfield that gets the most run at this point, depending on how he wants to employ Pellegrini. But um, Pellegrini looked very much um, re-energized in this one. I don't know what kind of pep talk maybe De Rossi gave him from a captain to captain standpoint um, during the week or before mm-hmm. the match, but he looked really good. Scored a goal. Um, Lukaku, of course, scored a goal. Um, it, it was it was good. It, it was it was really good, especially the first sixty or so minutes, even up to maybe the seventieth minute. 
Um, if I'm thinking back, I did miss the last 10 or 15 because I had a commitment to get to. Um, I was joking with, with Jim before we came on the air that I missed most of the nervy part of the match. Um, aside from the yeah, that was convenient kick, I, for you, wasn't it? Yeah. I saw the first goal and then I'm like in the car, like, you know, you got the car, you obviously you're driving, but you keep the screen open at, in the cup holder and you kind of glance, glance down at the red lights and like you see the clock ticking. And it's like 90 plus one, 90 plus, and you're like, come on, just like it gets, gets to 95 right now and, and still say 2 1 on that screen because, um, you know, you don't want to ruin this debut victory and, and have it be two drop points. And they were lucky that uh, that penalty kick was just skied to the moon by Durich because um, that, yeah. that was. That was like row 64 it went to. Could have been a very different result. Going to the goal for a quick second, Jim, though. How much do you blame Rui Patricio? I know it was a swerving shot. It kind of had a nasty little little cutback on it. It was almost like, uh, you know, a, a reverse curve to it. But, mm-hmm. like, how much do you blame Rui on that goal? Because he did get a hand on it. Like, I, I don't, you know, did the younger, maybe more agile keeper keep that ball out of the net? I mean, honestly, at this point, my general feeling towards Rui Patricio is that he will be serviceable toward, until the end of the season. Um, I felt that way at the beginning of the season. I felt that way at the highs of his performances so far this season, and I feel that way at the lows. I'm okay with Roma conceding that goal. Um, the penalty, I, I don't know, like you were mentioning the penalty and how things could have been very different if... Milan Duric had scored that penalty. I'm not necessarily confident that uh, Fuller Run Show would have scored that that goal if Duric had scored that penalty. My my guess is that a two one final score is the accurate you know way this should have gone. And if anything, if you look at expected goals, uh, Verona beat Roma one point one seven two point nine two expected goals um, in this match. So. If anything, it's almost as if Roma ran away with this one kind of through luck. Uh, not luck, but, you know, turning turning chances into goals in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. So I think that a 2-1 finale was probably on the cards from the get-go. Would it have been nice to get a clean sheet in De Rossi's first match? 100%. It's always nice to get a clean sheet. But I feel like I know who uh, Rui Patricio is now, and it's not a guy who at this p- part of his career – is going to be racking up clean sheet, sheets all the time. Um, he's serviceable. I, I think I would say that he's serviceable. I think you'd probably agree with me. He he does the he does a decent job. But I'm looking forward to having a new goalkeeper in the near future. Yeah, serviceable is, is probably the the best way to put it at this point in his career. I I agree there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if another keeper would have saved it or not. There's probably a chance that a, a higher caliber keeper at this point in his career does make that save um gets back a little quicker on you know because he kind of went one way and then had to get back the other way um yeah uh, does that goal happen if they make the penalty i don't know maybe roma defends it differently maybe they don't we don't know i do think fatigue played a part in the second half too roma's bench is very thin for this one given the, the injuries given the suspensions given the absences for international football uh roma was down mancini cristante um, we know Smalling, of course, been out for a while. Awar and Dika's Moon, all unavailable for this one. So, I mean, the bench was thin. You know, the, the guys who came off the bench were Christensen, who had to come in for Spinazzol in the 28th minute because he was injured. Um, you had Zalewski come off for Dybala around the 57th, also because of a little little twinge he felt. 
And then it was Belotti for Elsevier in the 81st minute. So other than that, the rest of the bench was the only other regular senior players were Zvilar, the keeper, and Selic, the right back. Um, and then it's, you know, Primavera type players that have been getting call-ups like Pagano, Fisili, Costa, uh, Golic, Oliveras, and, and the third keeper, Boar. So there wasn't much there for De Rossi to be able to change to kind of get fresh legs, I think, and, and kind of keep this match um, from getting kind of iffy at the end. I, I do think that doesn't help when you have that that lack of depth. And, you know, we talk about lack of depth. They, they were really, really thin in this one. So uh, I do think that contributes to it a bit. You mentioned Zalewski got a, got a run in the attacking portion of the pitch. I think that is interesting to see. And I think if this formation sticks around, I think uh, it's good for him to get run in a more natural position. So we can really see what he has to offer, I think, too. Um, you know, he's kind of gotten that Florenzi treatment the past few years. We've talked about it plenty. Um, he's not a he's not a de- defender. So the four-man back line frees him up, I think, from having to play that wing-back position. So that could be interesting as well. Um but overall, I, I thought there was a lot of good here from Roma. I thought when the legs were fresh and they had a quick passing football, was encouraging. The, the 62% possession felt really nice. It was a pretty even split in both halves. So it's not like they started conceding position. Um, you know, and then they just they just kind of gave it up and, and were sitting back too passively. So definitely some positives to take away from it. It's always good to get three points when – you're coming off the stretch that Roma came off of, new manager in charge. We talked about it three matches in a row. Roma really has to get results um, against the three that are coming up. And one was Verona, then it's the Salernitana match, and then it's uh, Empoli, I believe. So that could be nine points. Now, some teams didn't play this week um, because of the Copa, Super Copa Italia being in, um, I think it was in Riyadh. And four teams were playing that now starting this season. And whoever they were supposed to play didn't play. I said to my buddy, I don't know why, you know, said I wouldn't look ahead and say, okay, these four teams are going to be in Saudi Arabia this week. Let's schedule those, you know, head-to-heads later in the season and let these other four teams play. Um, I don't know if Adelanta knows some of those sides are complaining about a week off. Probably not. Um, but it makes the schedule, it makes the, the the table look a little, little funky because now you have eight teams on 20 matches played and 12 on 21 yeah. matches played. So it kind of skews things when we talk about, um, you know, the, the table, it kind of, makes it a little more tricky when you're trying to like discuss it. Um, not sure when those matches will be made up. Um, if it's going to be sooner rather than later or not, but it, it, it may make the table funky for a while, but all being said after this match, Juve provisionally in, in first on 52 points on 21 matches played inter one point behind on 20 um, Milan 45, 21 matches played. And then it's Fiorentina, Atalanta and Lati all played 20 and they have 34, 33 and 33 apiece. And then there's Roma now up to seventh on 32 points, level with Bologna, who's played one less match, uh, and Napoli, who's played one less match, one match behind. So you can see how it gets like a what-if game until those matches are made up. Um, but Roma moving up the table a little bit, and I think they're going to be feeling pretty good about themselves after this one. I mean, the overall feeling has to be pretty good, um, outside of a couple injuries. And De Rossi did update those after the match. He said, uh, Paulo felt a little twinge before the game, but it wasn't anything serious. I think that's all it is. He said it, uh, nothing particular happened. He just felt a bit sore, a bit of discomfort, as if he couldn't push himself. He spent 10 days on the sidelines, and we came in and upped the training load, so maybe it's partly our fault. In any case, he says it's nothing serious. Uh, Spina may have a bit of an injury, but his is not very serious either. So we'll see uh, what comes out of those. And hopefully, obviously, those two players are all right. But... Um, 
overall positive feeling for me, Jim, any, anything that you would add in terms of anything you, you'd liked or disliked with that match? I mean, I would just say that we've talked about this already in terms of who Roma will be playing in the next couple of weeks. This was kind of the ideal moment for a interim or, you know, who knows if Roma does well, he could become the permanent manager um, to join the club. There are going to be a couple matches where, honestly, even under Mourinho, I would have expected wins. Uh, so that makes me have some more confidence that, you know, maybe this was the moment to bring in a manager if there was no confidence in Mourinho going forward. At least you're giving De Rossi a run of matches to slowly ramp up his style to understand his own tactics in the Serie A context better and to get some buy-in from key players on him as a manager. Uh, I'm not particularly frightened by the matches that Roma has coming up next. Uh, Salernitana, for example, do not really strike me as uh, incredibly terrifying. Uh, they lost 2-1 to Genoa uh, in their last match. Uh, and they were so up that in that makes, match, too. And they were up in that, too. So this really does seem like it could be a great moment for De Rossi to have come into Rome. And we'll see. I mean, let's just assume. I don't think that this actually might be. I don't know if this will be how it plays out. But let's just assume that everyone on 20 matches instead of 21 uh, gets a win in that match. Uh, that would leave Roma right now, if we just put in three points for them there, uh, that would put them five points behind fourth. You know, that's not a terrible place to be no. uh, what, right after you just sacked your manager and after you've and you've got a couple easy matches lined up. Like it, we've been saying this all season, the relative parity in Serie A right now is doing Roma a serious service. And it was doing it a service when it came to, you know, Mourinho's ability to still stick around for as long as he did. But it also was doing Roma a service now with De Rossi taking over that there is a real chance that Roma could end this season with Champions League qualification under its belt, despite all of the grief that Romanisti have had to go through throughout this season. Yeah, and I guess we should talk about it just for a minute because we didn't get to talk about it after the fact. Um, the actual firing of Mourinho, do you think like it comes down to just the fact that the, the owners felt it got stale? Do you think there was maybe some fractured relationships in the locker room that they started to catch wind of? Because... I found the timing interesting because it felt like they had these three matches lined up that Marino could kind of turn it around. Do you think they just felt that maybe they just needed like a breath of fresh air around the squad to re-energize the squad? Because obviously from a De Rossi standpoint, it's a perfect time to take over in terms of quality of opponent. Um, but from a firing standpoint, it almost felt like Mourinho maybe could have righted the ship over these three matches and gotten Roma right back in it. Yeah. Uh, I think that, it was probably the right move. You're never going to know what actually happened in the lead-up to a manager getting fired, at, at least in Italian sports media. That's my personal belief. There's just going to be – there are enough people who are peddling lies all the time that expecting them to tell the truth when a manager as big of a name as Mourinho is the one getting sacked. Like, that's just, you know, I, I, I am, I'm not going to believe the media in terms of what happened. I can tell you – that pretty much every potential reason for sacking a manager seemed to come up at one point or another in all the rumor mills. So there was, you know, talk about there being a fallout with the players. There's talk about fallout with management. There was talk about fallout with everybody. 
which, you know, maybe based off of the way Mourinho usually ends up not finishing his third season with the club, isn't that far out of the ordinary. But I guess I would say I am surprised that he's gone in the sense that I thought they'd try to make it work for at least a couple more weeks. I think that it's probably for the best that he's gone now just because it seemed there was a weight on the team. And I think that we'll see how long that weight stays lifted, but it did look lifted comparatively speaking to see a player like Lorenzo Pellegrini come back and look in form to see rumors about Chris Smalling returning to the field against Feyenoord. There are a lot of reasons why it seems like things might be going in the po- in a positive direction uh, post Mourinho sacking. I still think he was a pretty good ro- manager for Roma. Uh, that point per game stat I, will be the death of me when people bring it up to compare different Roma managers because it's comparing apples and oranges to say that Mourinho had fewer points per game than other Roma managers in the past decade because Serie A is not Serie A is not Serie A. But I think he ran out his rope. I think it was over. So I'm, I'm happy that we move forward. We'll see if Roma moving forward actually means moving forward with De Rossi or if this is just kind of a sugar high post swap of De Rossi for uh, Mourinho for De Rossi. Yeah, let's take a quick ad break here and then we'll be back to talk about a few more things to wrap up this episode. Yeah, so Jim, one player we mentioned, and I, I mentioned in particular, was uh, was Pellegrini in this one. And, you know, early on in the Mourinho tenure, he looked like he was, you know, had a, he had a really good first season. Mostly it was him and Abraham. Dybala wasn't in the picture yet. And then he kind of took a step back last season. This season's been injuries and, and really not great form. Really played well, I thought, on Sunday. He was rated the highest rated player by Sofa Score, which is where we used to track a lot of our stats for these matches. Um, and De, De Rossi was asked that by the media in the post-match interview. It said, and it wasn't even a question, it was more of a quote, um, a statement to him. And it was, we saw a different sort of performance from Lorenzo Pellegrini today. And he said, he's one of our most important and best players in Italy too. I think he needs consistency during the game. He needs to see a lot of the ball and he needs to get up into the box because he's a, he's got goals in his locker. He plays in my position. He's the captain. When things aren't going well, it's only right that we Romans should face up to our responsibilities because we have a lot of love and honor, but we have duty too. Those scales need to be balanced. That's how it works. And he's not afraid to take it on. He's improved a lot and matured a lot over the last few years when I only saw him occasionally. Uh, he's been a real leader this week and I'm delighted with him. He dropped off in the second half because we all need to do better but I was very pleased with him in the first half. So um, I think really, really great quote there from De Rossi to, to sum up Pellegrini. And, and, you know, cause I do think some question his leadership abilities, cause after Totti and De Rossi, those are big shoes to fill. I think he said it perfectly about how much that, the, you know, the Romans care um, and love and honor the club, but they have that duty too. And, and he's, he really praised, Pellegrini, not only just for his performance, but for his leadership that he's seeing behind the scenes. You know, when he left the club five years ago, he was the captain leaving. Um, Jekko had that kind of interim period where he had the armband, and then it was it was on onto Pellegrini, right? So now it's it's his club, and I think Deros is seeing a different side of him. And I think praising his abilities is also a great thing for Pellegrini to kind of build that confidence back up. Say, you know, tonight was the real Pellegrini, and he knows he can give that those kind of performances and, and we'll be able to stretch those into longer periods as he gets more into form, I think. Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent true. 
we've discussed this ad nauseum, so I don't need to discuss it too much more, but it's very hard for a it must be so hard to be a Roman born graduate of the Primavera for AS Roma and to be put into the pressure cooker that is the Roman media, but on top of that, to be seen as the next in the line after Francesco Totti and Daniela De Rossi. Like, I cannot imagine the pressure that players like Lorenzo Pellegrini, Eduardo Bove, and Nikola Zalewski run up against on a daily, weekly, monthly basis because the bar is impossible to reach. Like, let's just be honest. A club like Roma does not normally get a player like Francesco Totti or Daniele De Rossi to stick around for their entire career. Um, a club like Real Madrid or Barcelona doesn't get that to happen either most of the time. Um, so the fact that those players have to deal with that pressure, especially Pellegrini, who's the captain, uh, it's got to be hard. And especially during moments of poor form, there's going to be a lot of voices saying, are you good enough? You're not good enough. You're not De Rossi. You're not Totti. So to hear those words from De Rossi prior and post-game, basically saying, I believe in him. And if you believe the rumors, the idea that he had a meeting specifically with Pellegrini prior to the match saying, look, we want to make you a focal point of this midfield again. We need you to be available so we can make that happen. That's a lot of trust going into a player who also, with the signings of Paolo Dybala and Romelu Lukaku, ironically, has seen his star kind of fade in terms of the sheer star power in the squad. Like he's no, like prior to those signings, he was arguably number two, probably the, behind Tammy Abraham in terms of like the most exciting, most name brand player in the squad. He's gone down the totem pole uh, since the, the Dybala and Lukaku signings. So I think it means a lot to Pellegrini that De Rossi has basically given him a bear hug since he started. Uh, we'll see how long it lasts. I, if, if this is the Pellegrini that we get to see on a night in night out basis, I'd be thrilled. Um, part of me does wonder if Pellegrini is just going to play better in a, lineup like this as opposed to one with five defenders maybe that's part of it um but we'll see we'll see what happens uh i was very encouraged by pellegrini's play not just in terms of scoring the goal but in terms of how well he linked up with eduardo bova in particular i thought they were both excellent in the midfield in this one and i'm hopeful that that can continue that you know as cristante comes back that you can have a pellegrini cristante bove midfield three uh behind Dybala and Lukaku and really, you know, see some strong quality see through uh, Roma for the rest of these matches of the season. Yeah, I, I do think the formation could, could certainly benefit him. A little more quick passing, a little more of the ball, you know. It's hard for players like Pellegrini and Dybala when Roma's conceding so much possession because um, they don't get to really flash their passing, which is which is one of the best attributes, I would say, of both players. You know, Dybala's more of a natural goal scorer, more of a, uh, a second striker than Pellegrini. But Pellegrini, you know, he he was he was an assist man a couple of years ago. That, that's when he was at his best. Yeah. He was playing at Trey Cortista, setting up Tammy Abraham. And if he's playing, and he lost that role when Dybala came, let's just be yeah, honest. He like, lost a lot of that it, is what it, happened. It, yeah, a, a lot of it is. In, in the formation Mourinho was, was setting the side up in, he lost a lot of that because there wasn't a lot of the ball to go around because you're conceding. 60% possession a lot of weeks, 65% possession, 70% against some of the better sides. Um, and this quick passing, I think, plays plays into some of the strengths a little bit more. And I, hopefully that will help. Um, you know, he could play in the, the El Shirari role as well and play a little further forward and, and allow Cristante to slide in or however De Rossi wants to play it. 
Um, this week coming up, we'll see because Paredes is um, suspended, so he probably stays in the three-man midfield. Um, and Cristante yeah. probably slides in there. But he played the Metzala role um, when he was coming up under EDF at Sassuolo, and he played it really well. So he is yeah. accustomed to this type of role, and I think he can do really well there. I think the, a, a little boost in confidence can go a long way with him as well. Um, you know, Bove was one of the highest-rated players as well, along with El Shirari. So it, this is something that could fit a lot of these players. I, I think, um, you know, they're going to need to get a little bit more of the fullbacks. We've been saying that all season. That doesn't change. But I think this at least opens up the midfield more. And and even Spinazzola, he didn't play a lot because he got injured, but he was starting to look like the old Spina a little bit in those 25 or so minutes that he played. He was he was stretching that left wing. We saw some some good switches of the ball. Bove, I, I remember, you know, as I was sitting there, I was like, wow, he, he plays a pretty good long switch across cross field. He played a couple of them from his right side out to, to Spina on the left or um, El Sharari or Christensen, I think, when he came in. So there's definitely room for some nice attacking football with some of these players. And, it, it, you know, Dybala no longer has to dribble past people every time if he wants to move the ball, if they're playing this kind of quick passing football. Now, granted, this was Hellas. We're not going to overreact to it. But I do think it's, you know, kind of lays the foundations of what De Rossi wants to see from his club. And you could practice this against El Shabab this week in the friendly. You could practice this against Salernitana and Empoli. And then maybe as the calendar beefs up again, you can try this against some of those better sides. And, and, if, and if it works, great. If you need to revert to a back three at times, because that's what these players are most comfortable in for, you know, the Europa League or for a, a big match against Inter at the San Siro or something, so be it. But at least it gives some options. And, and that was one thing I think that started to get a little bit stale with, under Mourinho was we saw that same 3-5-2 kind of play that was not the most uh, appealing to the eye. And at the same time, it wasn't getting the results the past couple of months either, which really makes it even harder to watch at times. Yeah, uh, hard to watch is definitely a great way to describe some of the last matches of the Mourinho era. Uh, I would have friends over during the match, just like have somebody to talk to. And after a certain point, I would just have to mute it because it was bumming me out so much. I'd keep watching, but I wouldn't, I didn't want to force my friends to have to be watching what Roma was looking like towards the end. Uh, I always think it's fascinating to see what players are able to rise, fall, or stay the same after a managerial shift. Uh, we've talked about Pellegrini a lot because he was very impressive in this one. I will be very interested to see how well Eduardo Bove does going forward um, because he has been probably one of the great successes of the Mourinho era. I think that's fair to say. Uh, the fact that he be has become such a consistent part of Roma's starting midfield, the fact that he is now, you know, I think probably pretty much a lock to become a long-term part of the Italian national team in the midfield. Uh, he's a, an excellent player, uh, but sometimes a managerial ship can make young players in particular look weaker. And I was very encouraged to see Bove showcase the same characteristics as before, um, now under De Rossi. I think a factor in there too is that he's not a complete like-for-like -like comparison to De Rossi, but he does play the game in a very similar way. Um, and I think De Rossi probably does appreciate having a player like Bove in the midfield because... You know, that's kind of what he was like as a player, uh, especially when during his younger days. So I've got a decent amount of hope going forward. And as you said, that Al-Shabaab friendly, as much as I think it's kind of dumb to have it, uh, will probably help the manager get more tread on his tires, will help him understand his tactics better. Uh, and hopefully these upcoming matches do the same exact thing 
for the players as well. Um, not that I'm expecting anything less than a win for in these next couple matches for Roma in the league, but there is going to be more leeway. I think it's safe to say that, you know, against Al-Shabaab, against Salernitana, against Fine Norton, against Frosinone, and against uh, Cagliari, uh, those are matches where Roma can afford not to be at 100% or can afford to be working out the kinks and it won't totally kill things. Um, Inter is another story, but uh, I'm hopeful that in a lot of those matches going forward, uh, Roma will be able to work out what it wants to be doing tactically, where it wants to be, and that can give it some con- content, um, confidence going into that February 10th match. Yeah, I, I didn't want any part of this El Shabab friendly a couple weeks ago. I, I still, I'm not crazy about having it to go to Saudi Arabia for a friendly in the middle of the season uh, like this, but it does give a little extra time for Dorosi to tinker with some tactics and things like that, get his guys some live game action, at least a little bit better than, you know, just training to 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 do a few things. Maybe you get Pisili a look, maybe you get like Pagano a look, some, some things like that. Um, hopefully it'll, it'll be useful, but I, I think you're right. I think these matches... Not that you can't take Salernitana and Empoli seriously the next two matches. It does give them a little bit of time to grow into things. And I, I think that's important. Um, you know, just to wrap, it's still the middle of the January Mercato for about another week. Roma has brought in Dean Hoyson as, as that fourth center back at this point. Um, eventually, it could become the fifth center back if Smalling comes back to um, full fitness, which... Um, I guess before we talk about the, the Mercato gym, Smalling apparently potentially being ready for fine order in a few weeks is certainly interesting timing. Um, you yeah. know, I, I don't want to read too much into it, but it to me is certainly interesting timing. And, and you wonder, yeah, how being, much... I'm putting my conspiracy theory hat on for that one. I don't think that's too coincidental. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, and also like... you saw right after Marino got by, um, sacked, uh, Renato Sanchez uh, started training with the side 100% again. Like, yeah. I, I think maybe it was a little bit different than the Rick Carsdorp flameout that happened uh, over the, last, the first season with Mourinho, but it sure seems like there were some players who were not exactly happy with how Mourinho was doing things. And, you know, I even even during Mourinho's reign, I was surprised with how aggressively he was going against Smalling in press conferences on a regular basis, mm-hmm. always framing it as how good Mancini was to play through the pain. But that just doesn't, you know, you don't usually see that in a manager. So I'm not exactly surprised that now Mourinho's gone. Smalling is getting closer to making himself available again. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely interesting timing. Um, certainly will be interesting to see how quickly he comes back to being available um, for De Rossi. Um, and then Mercato, we had one rumor pop up today that Brent posted on the site, potential of Andrea Bellotti leaving, uh, Fiorentina being linked to him, and you know both teams being cash-trapped and them offering potentially... Uh, I think it was Jonathan Icone or uh, another player, but Roma would be more interested in um, left back Cristiano Beraghi, who is is their captain. So um, not sure if that will happen. Um, oh, Joseph Breckel. I'd be okay with Icone. I think I'd be okay with Icone, but uh, Beraghi would be a better fit in the short term uh, in the sense that we definitely need some option at left back, particularly with uh, Spinazzola still not impressing very much. Uh, my guess is that if this happens, though, it'll be a, a forward-for-forward swap with uh, Icone coming in for Belotti. Uh, I've never been super impressed by Icone, but I also think that he's a pretty good rotation player, and that's what Belotti is at this point. So if it happens, I won't really lose too much sleep over it. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they they would um, move him for Ikone. Um, to me, I would prefer Biragi just because I think the need is at left back in this club. Um, so yeah. Minnesota's been hurt. It doesn't look like, or it looks like rather that Dedos would prefer to play Zalewski in a more of an attacking midfield role like he is accustomed to. Um, get a more natural fit at left back. Biragi is Italian international. It would leave us a little bit thin at forward, depending on as Moon's availability when he comes back from Af- um, the Asian Cup. Because uh, I did read that he picked up a knock there. But um, interesting to see if anything comes out of this in the next week or so. If Bellotti does go, I, I would wish him the best. And, and hopefully that he can, you know, turn things around a little bit here at, toward the tail end of his career. Because he is a player I've, I've liked for a while. Um, thought he'd be a better fit at Roma. Hasn't really panned out so far. We'll see if anything changes under the Rossi. Or if he's here at past another match or two with Rossi. We'll see. Um, but I think that's a good place to leave it, Jim. Do you have anything else you want to uh, add to this one? Uh, well, I was pretty doom and gloom about Dorotti being a potential managerial replacement for Mourinho. My doom and gloom is not entirely gone just yet because I am worried that the it'll be you know putting a bandaid over a bullet wound, uh, and it will just go poorly uh, when the going actually gets tough for Roma. But I think that this match, this first match under Dorotti's reign, went as well as you could hope. Uh, and it does give me some confidence that this actually might be a positive move for Roma in the future and might turn into a long-term deal for De Rossi. Uh, I hope, I hope I'm not proven wrong in hoping for that is kind of what I would say. Yeah, I, I would echo the sentiments. You know, I, I hope it works out well for him being my favorite player that I've, you know, ever watched in the Roma shirt up to yeah. this point. So I, I hope it turns out well. I'd love to see him here past this year. If things go well. And uh, you know, makes you a little bit more excited for these upcoming matches coming off a win. So let's hope that they can keep it up. And uh, next match is a Monday, um, which is terrible for us on the East Coast of the United States to try to watch, but um, also might delay the pod recording. So we'll keep you guys up to date. Hopefully it's three more points against Laurentine, a little revenge for that um, Kandreva masterclass that, you know, took (laughs) two points off of Roma's plate in match day one. But we'll catch you guys again next week. And thanks for listening.